got many different translations that you're reading. You might be in the new, uh, you know, the new hip-hop translation or something like that. But this is the, the, the authorized version. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me. That's right. Come on, sing it with me. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. Lord, we thank you for the reading of the Word of God. Father, and as, uh, as, as expectantly and as fervently as we read that and as passionately, now let our ears be pricked to receive this engrafted Word, Lord, in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, Amen and Amen. Hmm. So very quickly today, what I told you last week as we went into this four-week study on the sheep and the shepherd, you know, the, pur the purpose for me doing so is to create relation. Relation, uh, and so in the sense of that, as you can relate to God, you can relate to how he has chosen to relate to you. We can use the, the doctrine, the words, the, the, the images, if you will, that God has captured in paper for us so that we can then in turn process that in our communion with the Father. I think I told you last week that God chose not to reveal himself as a CEO. He chose not to reveal himself necessarily as the commander of the army, though he, there are times that we reference business you know, uh, characteristics, or we, bit, we certainly do military uh, thoughts, so we see that in the Word of God. But one of the most consistent, and perhaps even the most consistent theme throughout the Scripture, God and making known his uh, love for us is that he is the shepherd of the sheep. And we are the sheep of his pasture. And I love that. Just to have the confidence to know that if I'll just keep my eyes on the shepherd. Is that right? Now in doing so, I told you last week, I said that sometimes you, in this study you want to know the big picture. So I'm just, you know, it's kind of a drawing and you're just a little nuance here. Just a little bit of edge here. A little bit of shading here. And after the end of four weeks, hopefully, hopefully you have a greater understanding so that it deepens your relationship with God. Last week I mentioned to you eight things that were the characteristics of the sheep. So last week I was focusing a little bit more on the sheep. Eight characteristics. I just want to reiterate those to you just real quickly. I'll have to drop my glasses to read that with you. That number one, you need to be in a fold. Come on, somebody. Amen. Number two, you need a ruggedly handsome shepherd. Oh, I'm sorry, that's what it says. I mean, I think that's what some of you are thinking. That's what you're saying. Yes, we still need a ruggedly handsome shepherd. Number three, need to be marked. You need to have your ear marked. You need to, you need to have a moment with your pastors. And this is in, in, in this sense where, you know, I told you last week that part of this study is it's, it's Jesus is the shepherd and then there's under shepherds. I'm going to highlight that again for you in a moment. You have to be marked. You need green pastures and still waters. You can become overfed and under-exercised. Well, Jesus, let's move on from that one. Need to travel light. Number seven, you can often, sheep often act out of fear. And we concluded with what I thought was perhaps the most impacting, and that was occasionally you need the lift of the shepherd. 
And so with that, I want to go ahead and lead into today's message by showing you a little video. This is often in the, the life of a sheep and that needs the, the, the lift of a shepherd. And so we're going to show this little video real quickly. It's very small. It's the, there's the shepherd. There's Joe or Jace. And that's one of you right there. And that's what I, however we have to get you out, that's what we do. <laughs> now you know why Joe has no hair, right? <laughs> All right, we'll just, uh, come on somebody. And I hate to say it, we've all been there. We've all been there with God ourselves. So real quickly, let's go to another familiar passage, and that's John chapter, one, chapter 10, verses 1 through 5. Just, just a background information. I'm just trying to broaden it, this a little bit. And so today for a moment, I want to remind you that, that in that text of Psalm 23, David said, the Lord is my shepherd. So what I've taken through this study is that sometimes it's a direct reference to you as a sheep and God is your shepherd and then or, or the Lord is your shepherd and then sometimes it's an under shepherd which we as pastors I told you last week the word pastor in Greek is actually translated from the same word that is translated shepherd so the, above the fivefold ministry apostle prophet evangelist pastor and teacher there's none that reflects the heart of the shepherd more than the pastor and so with this, it's, it, you have to be able to discern, process this sermon. You have to listen and say, sometimes uh, Pastor Brown is talking about my relationship with God or, through Christ. And sometimes he's talking about it within the context of the un, the, what we call under-shepherds. Verily I say unto you, it says here, John chapter 10. He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Jesus came through the door. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name. And he leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will, but will flee from him for they know not the voice of strangers. And this is actually a lead-in in this passage, and we're not going to read the entirety of this 10th chapter, but really from verse, chapter, uh, verse 1 all the way to well into the, around the 30th verse, Jesus reveals some things to us. We're going to jump down to the 11th verse here of John chapter 10. So just affirm this principle to you here real quickly. Jesus said in the 11th verse, I am. I mean, he talked about previously, he was looking at a sheepfold. He said there was a door. He said there was entrances, and there was coming in and out. Sheep were going in and out. He said, I'm the good shepherd. So let that sink down in your spirit. This is Christ in the Hebrew, Yeshua Messiah. Yeshua Christos, he's the Messiah, Jesus. Jesus, we call him Jesus Christ. We think that's first and last name, but it simply means Jesus, the anointed one. I am, that's who Jesus is. He said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. I thank God today that Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary gave his life for the sheep. He paid a penalty that could only be paid through his atoning blood. The highest of value of anything of substance in this earth beyond platinum, titanium, gold, or silver was the precious blood of Christ. And with that blood, he gave his life's blood for us, for the sheep. He died for us. He is, so real quickly, in this text, if you were to take the time to read this, you would discover not only is he the good shepherd, 
He gave his life for the sheep, but he values each and every one that's in his fold. He does. He values you. And you have to know that. And it will change every part of your life when you know that you are loved by God, cared for by God, and valued by God. Right? That you have value. He invested his all in all in the sheep. He did. He gave of himself. He invested his all. He does not flee when the wolf cometh. How many know that Jesus is not going to flee? He's not going to back up, not back down. He, he, will, he will stand off against the wolf. He cares personally for you, personally. He knows everything about you, every thought, every imagination. The psalmist David said at another place, he said, God knows you're rising up. He knows when you're on the mountaintop. He knows when everything is good. He knows when you're walking and talking and you're moving in the spirit and you're speaking words of faith. But he also knows you when you're at your lowest place. When you're downcast, disheartened, when troubles have come in. God knows everything about you. So why are we trying to hide? Right? Just let it be known. Just be open. Confess it to the Father. He knows us, uh, he knows us individually. Uh, the sheep know him. Now, it's one thing to realize that, that he knows you. The other thing is, but do you know him? Do you know the Lord? And can, and, and can you distinguish him from others? And in the day in which we live today, you need to be able to distinguish his voice from others. Right? He is interested in the growth of the flock. He's interested in the growth of the kingdom of God. He desires unity in the flock. Remember, these are just things that if you were to read verses 1 through about verse 30, you would kind of find these principles here. He desires unity in the flock. He speaks to the sheep and they know his voice. And the sheep trust the shepherd. I trust him today, don't you? Even, even when people are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, even when there are things in life that we don't understand, as it's been mentioned already this morning, you just have to trust the shepherd. Right? You trust, you, you, you trust him. Jesus, listen to this. He leads the sheep. He does not drive them. He is the good shepherd, John 10 and 11. Hebrews 13 and 20 says he's the great shepherd. 1 Peter 2 and 25 said he's the shepherd and bishop of your soul. And 1 Peter 5 and 4 says he's the chief shepherd. So today, I'm just grateful today to be a sheep in his pasture. That in all the trauma of life and all the challenges of life, the preacher said last week that when you see, the, when you see movement on this side and agitation here, don't just immediately flee, lift up your eyes and look to the shepherd. I said last week, I want to say it again, if he's at rest, you be at rest. If he's on the move, then you go with him. You follow him. And so we as pastors, we recognize our calling is to be an under-shepherd to him, to care for his flock. Many years ago, when I was uh, young in ministry, and I know it surprises the new people that are here today, because you thought, well, how old can you be, Pastor Brown? You're not very old. And so I, I know that I felt that, but, but no... I've been pastoring now for 25 years and been in the ministry since I was 17, and I'm 53, so you can do the math on that. And so with this, when I was young and pastoring, someone gave me a book, and, or I purchased the book on my own, and it helped shape the type of pastor that I would want to be. It was entitled, Escape from Church, Inc., I-N-C, period. Escape from it. God's people are not... Uh, you know, you're not workers at a factory. You're not, it's not a part of an organization in that sense. You are the sheep of his pasture. My calling is not to be a CEO. My calling is not to be a life coach. My calling is not to be the commander of an army. My calling is to have a rod and a staff, walk, walk amongst the people of God. 
to, and to encourage you to stay in the fold. We're going to kind of journey a little bit together today to kind of see what I've learned during this time period. I've, during this time, I've been pastoring now for 25 years. Within the flock, I have discerned and noticed that there are some distinguishable traits amongst the sheep that are present here today. Number one, let's say this. Sheep are not goats. But sheep often follow the goats and then eventually display goaty behavior. We won't talk about that today. What that means is, you know, sheep typically follow, but a goat will slip up and butt you on the backside. And so with this, we've seen, we know that in the church there can be, there can be sheep with goaty behavior, but that's for another thought later. In the flock are at least five different, and right here today, I can guarantee you, five, right here today there are at least five distinct uh, traits of sheep. Or people, this, this, you would be in one of these categories. Number one, there are lead sheep. Lead sheep are sheep that are closer to the pasture than all other sheep. They, they follow in a very predictable order. They're, you can always count on them. They're always faithful. They're always willing to serve. They'll do whatever. It doesn't matter. It does not matter what they're asked to do. They don't need a title. They don't need an office. They don't need anything. They just want to follow the shepherd. They want to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and the under-shepherd. You just thank God every day as pastors. We just thank God for lead sheep. Because they set a pattern for others in the flock to follow. Then amongst the church family, we have faithful sheep. Faithful sheep are not necessarily quite as close to as lead sheep uh, because they're not necessarily leaders, but they're just simply faithful followers. They're just glad to be here. They're just thankful for an opportunity to be a part of the fold. They're just thankful to be able to hear the word and worship God and love, and they're here every time uh, and everything and, and every demand that you place on, they're just willing to do so. That's faithful sheep. Among us today would be what we define as hermit sheep. Hermit sheep are loners in the flock. You're, like, you're looking over and you say, wait a minute. There's a lot of space between me and the person next to me. That does not necessarily mean that's a loner in the flock today. But I'm just telling you, as a pastor of 25 years, there are folks in the church that we've defined as hermit sheep because there's an inner tension or an uneasiness that separates them from others. They, 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 they love God and they love the church, but, 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 but there's something inside them that, that kind of hinders them from connecting at the level that we believe that you should connect to. Uh, they're not a danger to others, but they might be a danger to themselves because in isolation, they've grown too comfortable to isolation. And the hermit sheep may find themselves insufficient to withstand the attack of the wolf. And, and they, so therefore, they're vulnerable because they're hermit sheep. Anybody that's ever raised uh, cattle, which I told you last week, most of us locally don't have many. We don't have sheep. Some may, but we have cattle. M many of us that have ever heard have herds of cattle, we will look out there, and then we'll see the herd all over here, and there'll be that one lone cow. It always stays just a little bit isolated, and typically it's trauma. Typically it was something that happened in the life of that calf that became a cow that caused it to be isolated. Just doesn't quite trust being confined with the others. Number four are fence sheep. <laughs> fence sheep are close to the edge. They live, you know, on the edge because they're here today, gone tomorrow. They're in and out. They challenge the perimeter of the fold. They're difficult to, to count on. You really can't count on them. Um, they believe they can come and go at will. It's, you know, it's a free, uh, it's a free country. You know, you can't, don't put those mandates on me. Don't put those responsibilities upon me. And so usually they're only in church when it's convenient. And uh, you, ne you can't necessarily count on them and you can't harness their giftings. And that's part of being a part of the fold is that you have giftings that, that you give to the greater good, right? 
And so the, the, the danger of fence sheep is, is that their lifestyle can lead other sheep astray. And I can tell you after pastoring 25 years, and again, being a part of the church for many years prior to that, that among us as well would be what we call maverick sheep. Maverick sheep are very spiritual. I'm talking, they got the glow. <laughs> and I mean, I mean, if anytime you talk to a maverick sheep, I mean, they are so spiritual. I mean, you can't talk about the ball game. You can't talk about the weather. Everything is in that moment. You know, that's what oftentimes happens to me as a pastor is I, if I'm caught in a moment, I'm doing something. And we all have lives outside of the, outside of the church in this sense. But sometimes people will say, Pastor Brian, I'll come and, and I'll come help you like you're working on something, so I'll help you. And that's good. They'll, they'll want to help, but then they'll want to talk about spiritual things. And you say, well, wait a minute, Pastor Brian, don't you want to talk? Yes, I know if I'm working on something, then I'm working on that. Are you all out there? And so, but, and I'm not trying to say this negatively, but maverick sheep to a degree create an aura about themselves that is built out of pride. And you have to be very guarded of the maverick sheep as well because typically it's revival that attracted them. But when that season ended, so did their involvement. And let me tell you, the church is not always in a season of revival. And I know that hurts the heart of you for some of you to hear that. We're going to get to it in a moment of time. But no, it's not always in a season of revival. There's seasons of transition. There's times that you need to lay down and rest. Right? Are y'all out there today? And so we have to know this. And so, but often maverick sheep, they only want the season of revival. They like to graze with the fold, but they won't come under the shepherd's rod. We're going to talk about that in a moment. And they often leave because they're, they're spiritually superior to all the sheep, including the shepherd. Just being honest with you. You want me to tell you a lie? I'm just telling you the truth. Among us today, there are at least five different characteristics of sheep or people that display characteristics and you're in one of those or the other let me tell you what God wants you to be God wants you to be a good sheep a faithful sheep right that follows the shepherd that's in the fold that you're then you can be eventually from that number there'll be lead sheep that'll be drawn among us if you're a hermit sheep today I'll tell you what let the barriers come down let the barriers come down connect to men and women right there are people here today that you can trust their heart you can trust that they have nothing but your good in mind. They're not going to take advantage of you. They're not trying to take away from you in any capacity. They simply want to see the, 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 the best in your life, right? If you're a fence sheep, come on, it's time to get away from the fence. Come on, get closer, get closer. If you're a maverick sheep, maverick sheep are some of the most talented and most gifted. They just seem to bring it into the live stream of the fold and to humble themselves in doing so. The shepherd is always, let me tell you what the shepherd is always doing. He's looking for ample pastures. In that psalm that we read, Psalm 23, verse number 2, it said green pastures, seasonal. I said it just a moment ago, seasonal grazing. And that is where grazing is lush and green. Sheep can get into the ruts of life. They can graze over and over again the same pasture till the land is literally stripped of its nutrition. And so a shepherd will move the flock along. Many of the texts of Scripture that you read about in the book of Genesis that are talking about the, the migrational movement of the sheep in the lives of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all three were shepherds, or at least we know Isaac was and Jacob was. Abraham owned sheep. We do not necessarily know if he was a shepherd. But we also see it with Moses when he was at Midian is that the, as a shepherd that they, it wasn't necessarily like what many of us have today in farming or ranching where you just have one ranch and, the, and there's just one pasture and the cattle are on it all the time. But there was, it was migration and there was always movement. Why? Because if the shepherd did not move the sheep along, the sheep themselves would get into the ruts of life and they would be constantly overgrazing. 
In my little journey of being a farmer, I told you two weeks ago, I went from being a novice farmer, what she called a rookie farmer. My former neighbor called me a rookie farmer. And then now to have a little bit more knowledge, I have learned that grass begins regrowth after four days. What cattle or sheep will do is they will return to the same patch that they just grazed because the new grass is the tenderest grass. And that's what they want. But if they continue to graze it over and over and over again, it's going to eventually strip that ground of its nutrients and the grass again will be overwhelmed by weeds. And so a shepherd says, we've got to move. We've got to have a rotational. We've got to, we may start here, but we've got to move so that the grass can have time to grow. You say, Pastor, where's that connection to the church? It's pastor's responsibility is to move the church along doctrinally with the vision. You've got to see the need for some of these things because typically what I've noticed in the church many times is that we see a lot of times is that sheep want to graze over and over and stay too long. We've got in the church today, we've got folks that just all they want is prophecy grass. Now every time they come to church, they've got to have somebody give them another word. Hello, somebody. We've got folks in the church that they want eschatology grass, that every time they come together, they want you preaching about end times. That about the threat of the Antichrist or the, uh, you know, uh, what season are we in? Are we on the edge of great tribulation? And so, so that we'll, they want to graze that down. We, in our generation today, we've got the Jewish studies grass where we're blowing our shofar horns and wearing prayer shawls like I do in here. And so then we've got Tabernacle of David grass where we want to try to re-erect the Tabernacle of David in our worship. Or what about justification grass or salvation grass? And I tell you, big in our generation is love and serve grass. There are churches that that's just really all about. When you come together, it's all about love and it's all about serving. And then we've got folks that just want to graze in the deliverance field. where It's all just about deliverance and deliverance and deliverance. And there's healing grass and there's the spirit-filled grass and there's praise and worship grass and there's justification grass and there's prosperity grass and there's the word of faith grass. And our natural tendencies are that we have favorites and we want to stay there and that's all we want. But let me tell you, a good shepherd says, you know what, you need to move. You need to have justification. You need to have righteousness. You need to graze in those pastures. But we need to take you to the salvation pasture. And then we need to take you to the word of faith pasture. And then, we, yes, we do want to take you to the, to the tabernacle of David pasture because we want you to learn to come into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And, yes, we want to take you to the prophecy t- grassland and the pasture land where you can know that God has a prophetic word for you. But what we want you to do is not just stop and live in one. We want to keep you moving because the heart of the assemblies of God in days gone by was called AG, not just Assemblies of God, but it was AG because it was all the gospel. And so what we want you to do is we want you to be well-rounded as a believer in Christ Jesus. And to do so, we've got to keep you moving, right? And as a pastor, that's something that I have I've strove to do is to say, God, I want to, I want to make sure that I keep my church family moving. And I, obviously, there are times you need to camp out for a while, right? There are times you need to pause and then you stop. And you know what? I do believe that we're on the edge of one of those moments. I believe our church family, there's a hunger and a thirst. I believe we're on one of those moments where there's an outpouring of the presence of God, a Holy Spirit anointing, a deliverance, deliver us from evil, a breaking of the bonds of demonic powers. Yes, I, believe, I just feel in my heart we're on the edge of one of those. And so I'm just trusting God, but you also got to know, church family, that when the pastors just get ready to move, it's because we say, you know what, we've been here, and God's kept us here, but God's adding something else to us. And so we just follow what the Lord wants for this church family. Shepherds often use both the rod and the staff. Rod and the staff is a familiar phrase there in that passage of Scripture. And the psalmist 
David said, Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The staff was primarily used for retrieval or for direction. So that will be for another moment at a later time. In that video that we saw, we saw the image that individual used like a, a strap or a rope to reach down, catch hold of the back leg of the sheep, and then lift it out of the, of the, of the what was that, a trench that it had fallen into in days gone by. And even to this day, if you could look into the modern, or look in the modern times into the old country, many times the shepherds will still have those two instruments, those two instruments that they're very familiar with. They'll have the staff, which has the crook on the end of the larger pole that they can reach down and they can pull a wayfaring or straying sheep back to them, especially in the area where there's terrain is broken and there's little cliffs and the sheep can fall, that they might have to reach down and pull it back up. But then the rod, though, the rod, though, was actually more of a weapon. Did you know that? Not a weapon for the sheep, but a weapon against intruders, against the wolf. The, the, the weapon of the rod itself was actually only about this long, and it was typically made, as why our studies show, is that it's typically made from the root of a tree, and they left a little portion of the root on it that, that would put a little bit of weight to it, and it would be, it would be carved to, to fit the hand of the shepherd. And so it was, it was his, uh, I will say this is almost like a gun for us today. The shepherd was very, he was very talented in his throwing practice over and over again. There was a reason why when David went down to face Goliath that he didn't take the sword. He wasn't comfortable with the sword, but he, had, he was comfortable with the sling, right? So being alone in the wilderness all those day, days, you know, he would take the sling and he would use a sling. He was also familiar with the rod, and so the rod could take and be thrown against a wild beast. He could also throw the rod in front of a wayfaring sheep to turn it back around. Brush could be uh, beaten back and out of the way. I've read stories where snakes were killed. And, and so, to one degree, the rod was the shepherd's authority. It was him exercising his authority. He was protecting the sheep. And so, the shepherd would also then use his rod to count the sheep. And so, we talked about in that in John chapter number 10, it's talking about a doorway and an entrance into the doorway. And so, this is how, this was how uh, this was actually done, is that when they would oftentimes uh, bring their sheep into a fold, a fold would be a hedged-off area. It would might be rocks, it might uh, be brush, it might be thorns and thistles. It would be something designed by the shepherd that at night, that when the sheep could come into the fold, there would be a measure of protection against uh, any intruders, whether it be an individual trying to steal the sheep or whether it be a lion or a bear or something like that or a wolf. And so as the sheep would come in, the shepherd would count the sheep by the rod. He would literally hold the rod out as the sheep would come in and they would, he would number them as they passed by. Here's a scripture to affirm what I'm telling you. It's in Ezekiel chapter number 20, verse number 37. We'll read that. It says, I will cause you to pass under the rod, and I will bring you into the bond of the covenant. So the shepherd would then have, have laid his staff down, have the rod in hand. He's at the entrance to the sheepfold. The sheep are passing by one by one, and they're going under the rod. He's counting them and making sure that all of his sheep are accounted for. And what he would also do at different times is that he would take that same rod and he would examine the sheep as they would come in. And have you ever heard that term of pull the wool over your eyes? Did you know that comes to us from the, obviously from ancient days of sheepfold and where the shepherd would take that rod and he would lift up back. He would see because the wool would be down over the eyes of the sheep. He would lift it back up so he could see and he would begin to examine the sheep. And so in doing so, listen, he would search the sheep for wounds, for cuts, and for bruises. He would also 
He would also search for parasites. And you know what? This is something that the Lord's laying on my heart to just drop in your spirit. And I got one more main point here today. Contrary to our independent nature, we need to pass under the rod and allow the shepherd to inspect and then pour in treatment into our lives. We just need to allow him to do so. We need to be transparent before God and say, God, I'm an open book before you. Let your great grace and the shepherd, the Lord who is my shepherd, look deeply into my life. Because if I don't allow him to look deeply into my life, then, he is not, then, then he's, not pouring able, he's not able to pour in the, what I need for healing in my heart and in my life. And so what we've learned here, just real quickly, is that the shepherd would discover, oftentimes, on the sheep, cuts and bruises. Or he would especially find infections that were typically created by the buzzing of flies and insects. And flies would buzz, especially in the spring of the year, and get down in the nasal cavity of the sheep. And they would plant larvae there. They would sow larvae there that would hatch, and it would cause infection. And the sheep would have very little uh, ability to rid themselves of it. And anybody that's ever raised livestock, especially if you raise cattle in the south, you'll know that the greatest thing that hinders our financial growth of, of cattle is, uh, is, is flies. The con- from, from about late March all the way till just now, we are fighting flies constantly. Buzzing insects. You say, Pastor, what does that have to do with me? I come out to church and this weird pastor is preaching about uh, buzzing insects that are landing on his cows. It's because Satan is the Lord of the fly. And because we're surrounded by a lot of things all the time that are buzzing around us. That are trying to lodge into us and plant seeds of destruction on our lives. And we find ourselves many times just constantly almost to the point of of a breakdown because of everything that's going on around us. And we get so frantic. And in that moment of time, you know what you need? You don't need a new self-help discovery course. You need the good shepherd to come to you and to take the rod and to push past and see, wait a minute, here's my sheep. It's hurting. It's wounded. The flies have infected it. And you know what the shepherd will do? The shepherd will reach into his bag. He's got a few tricks in his bag. And the good shepherd will do this. He's got a vial there. And in that vial, he's got anointing oil. And that anointing oil has been, has been fragranted. Is that the right word? Not fragmented, but it's got fragrance added to it. Let me say it that way. It's got fragrance added to it that, that can actually help repel the insects and repel the flies. So we'll show you a picture real quickly taken from the sheepfold. And the shepherd then will take this, this and he will anoint, look at this, he will anoint the head of the sheep. And so when the psalmist David, in Psalm 23, when he said, the Lord is my shepherd, he said, I'm not going to lack, I'm going to trust the Lord. And then he got to verse number five, it stands out to us today. He said, Lord, you anoint my head with oil. What does that mean? That means at the moment in your life when you're distracted, you're confused, you're hurting, you're wounded, you don't know why things have happened and the enemy's buzzing around you, there's a shepherd that will come to you. He'll pour healing oil over your head. Right, It will flow down over you. It will begin to drive away the adversary, drive away the fear, drive away the doubts. It will allow you to be healed and to become whole. You know what I believe it is today? I believe it's the oil of gladness. That's what I believe it is. I believe it's the oil of gladness. 
that you need the good shepherd. And you know what I've learned as a pastor? That all of gladness comes in different ways and different means for different people. And sometimes people get it on their own in private and they worship in private and they're hurting and they expose themselves to the Lord and in their lone, solitary place of prayer and devotion, he comes to them. He comes to them and he pours out healing oil on their lives. And they worship in that moment because they're able to lift their countenance and they're able to be able to have peace because the voice of the enemy is now silenced. Then others, others... It's not until they get into a corporate setting. It's not until the worship service has started. It's not until right there about two-thirds of the way through the psalm. But how many of you know, because sometimes you enter into worship, it takes you a while for your heart to really soften before God. It takes you a while before you really get vulnerable before God. But somewhere I have noticed, again, I'm a, I, I'm, I, you can say this, I'm an experienced shepherd. After 25 years of pastoring and after seven years of being an under-shepherd prior to that, so 32 years of some measure of pastoral ministry, I've learned that people in the presence of God, sometimes they don't need anybody to come to them. They don't need anybody to lay hands on them. In that moment of time, they have lifted up their hands unto the, unto the Lord, and His, His grace has just fallen down upon them. And that breakthrough has come, and you can see it. Their joy begins to be restored. And their countenance begins to reflect the joy of the Lord. But I've also learned that there are sometimes people who are in a very difficult place in their life. And for whatever reason, even the worship service just doesn't strike the right chord. Even the exhortation that was strong, just as it was a few moments ago. Even the prayer that our own Joe prayed with all the passion corporately, just doesn't seem to drive away. And they're still, and they're still, and they're still. But I've learned that even in that moment of time, there's still another moment where you can come and be vulnerable before God, and a shepherd will come to you, an under-shepherd of the good shepherd. And you know what he'll do? He'll reach down here and he'll take this right here. He has anointing oil. And we know that there's nothing magic in this bottle. But what it represents is not magical, but is divinely spiritual. And we will anoint your head with oil. And we will join our faith to your faith and we will pray over you. And you know what our prayer of faith will be? Our prayer of faith will be, God, restore the joy of gladness in the heart of and the mind of my brother and sister in Christ. God, lift their countenances. They'll join me on the platform. Shane, I'm about the worship team, I think, should come back if they can today for just a moment, at least some. And I know time is limited today because we're going to be respectful to the 1 o'clock moment. But I'll tell you what, before hurting men and hurting sons come into this church, there are other hurting people here today that I want to anoint with oil in this house as an under-shepherd of the good shepherd to show you today and to remind you that if you will lift up your eyes to him, even in the most traumatic moment and season of your life, it is my belief that the God of all grace will provide healing oil for your lives. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, he leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. Is that right today? 
Surely goodness and mercy follows me. I know all of that. But this, I want to pause at that fifth verse. God, you anoint my head with oil. If I could have set this aside today, I would have said, God, can today be an anointing service? Some people don't know anything about what an anointing service means. An anointing service is when we as pastors call any in our church family forward and we come to you and we anoint you with oil and we pray a prayer of faith for you. We join our faith with your faith and we say, God bless the sheep of your pasture. How many know that's a special thing? It's a special thing. God uses it to, to minister healing in your life. This is the second message of two, sorry, second of four, the sheep and the shepherd. Last week I closed with the lift of the shepherd. Today I want to close with God, you've anointed my head with oil. And as I prayed very personally about this today, I kept coming back to this thought. God, it's the oil of gladness that people need. It's the oil of gladness. It's joy. It's restoration. It's peace when all the agitations are around you. For some, it may be the rebuking of the enemy. It may be that we join our faith with yours, and in that moment of time, we say, adversary, we bind you in Jesus' name. Yeah, well, listen, I, we're the weird folks. Come on, we are. We speak to the devil. We say, get thee behind us, Satan, in Jesus' name. Right? We don't, we don't ask him to go. We don't send him a telegram. We demand that he goes. Right? We don't have to post it on Facebook. Right? We speak it directly against the powers of darkness. And we do so because the oil, the oil drives him away. The oil drives him away. And it brings, what does it do for you? But it brings you to a place of peace. It brings you to, the, we, we know, we know. We could not get away in this service today because we know that there are people under the sound of my voice that are directly affected by the passing of, of, of this gentleman who I've never met, as I, I don't believe. And so at the same time, at the, so, so we, know, we knew that. We, we, this was going to be present. There are going people, the valley, the valley that they're in, they're not going to be out of just this morning. They're going to walk through that this week, weeks ahead. But it's our belief that the oil of gladness can keep the enemy from dropping stuff in you, right? And then causing you to be sick and really wounded. That's what we want to do today. Our heads are bowed, our eyes closed in the presence of God.